If you will, turn in your Bibles to the 27th chapter, the book of uh, Jeremiah, as we continue our study through the Word. So, Jeremiah, difficult, difficult ministry. Being called now to speak truth to a nation and a culture that would rather be entertained with words that tickle their ears than be confronted with the truth. Uh, and so, Jeremiah speaking the truth of God's word to the nation, and there were all of these false prophets that were rising up, and they were telling the people the things that they wanted to hear, and people were listening to these false prophets, and, and here is Jeremiah burdened. He has got the word of the Lord, and the word of the Lord is that they are going to be taken into captivity. He has preached repentance to them, but also knowing that they are not going to repent. And, and so you remember last time how the determination of the period of time was given, that they were going to be taken into captivity for 70 years. Now, you remember that every seventh year, God had commanded that the land would stay fallow, that they were not to plant, they were not to harvest, they were not to cultivate, they were not to prune. They were just simply to give the land a Sabbath rest every seventh year. And you remember that they had been in the land now for 490 years, but they had not been obedient to that command that God had given to them. And so if they would not let the land rest voluntarily, then God said that he would remove them from the land for 70 years and that that land would have its rest and then he would bring them back uh, once again. And, and so we see the judgment uh, upon the nation for its disobedience, its idolatry, and, uh, and for all the ways in which they were not obeying God. And and you'll remember that that there was now the the plan to take in Jeremiah's uh, life because of the things that he was saying. He was telling them that they're going to go into captivity, that, that God is bringing the Babylonians against them. And, and they're saying, why are you speaking doom and destruction against us? Jeremiah, you're, you're the problem. You're the only one saying these things here. And everybody else is saying good things. And, and so they started to vilify Jeremiah instead of examining these things to see if if this is from God and and so you remember that they laid hands on Jeremiah but God spared Jeremiah and we see just that provision of protection God's hand of protection is upon our lives amen God's hand of protection is on your life and and he knows the opposition he knows the hardship he knows the difficulty but God also knows how to rescue amen he can reach in and rescue in every single circumstance and situation and and one of the things God always wants you to have is hope don't ever let go of hope. Don't ever give up believing and trusting because God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. And, and so we see that Jeremiah now was despairing, but God reached in and God saved him and God protected him. 
we are going to see that once again in this 27th chapter, he is now going to be very demonstrative. There is going to be a yoke that he is going to have to put on and wear, and it is going to be symbolic, of course, of the Babylonians and how the, they are going to be yoked uh, underneath the Babylonians and that God is the one that is bringing Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to be used as his instrument. And so interesting, again, we see that God is the one that raises up and takes down kingdoms. We have world leaders and we have nations uh, here that are rising and nations that are falling. And it is not by accident. We see that God can use even a wicked nation as an instrument in his hand. And that's exactly what he is going to do with the Babylonians. He's going to use them to bring correction to his children. But then after they mistreat his children, he allows the correction to take place. He's going to judge them because God has said that he is against anybody that is against his people. And they weren't doing it out of obedience to God. They were just doing it out of their wickedness. And God will judge that wickedness. And so even when we see nations in the world that are godless nations and, and, and we see them moving and shifting, know that God is the one that is behind all the authority and all power that is given here upon this earth. And we can rest and we can trust uh, even in these things. And so Jeremiah is going to have to give once again a, a, a message of uh, of them being taken into captivity. And, and so we begin here in this 27th chapter. And in verse 1 it says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make for yourselves bonds and yokes and put them on your neck. And send them to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon, by the hand of the messengers who come to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah, king of Judah. Now, here we see that it says in verse 1 that in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, this is possibly a copyist error because this entire passage really deals with Zedekiah when Zedekiah is the king. And we see in the third verse here where it says that the messengers who come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah and king of Judah. Now, Jehoiachim reigned for 11 years and then and Jeconiah only for about three months and then he died and then Zedekiah began his reign and so we see that Zedekiah was the king that was uh, situated he was made king of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar and Zedekiah's uh, name had been Mataniah he is he is an evil king here and uh, and so we see here that he says to Jeremiah make for yourselves bonds and yokes. We see that this was a object lesson, symbolized the bondage now to the Babylonians. And, and we see that the yoke was bound on Jeremiah's neck. And this now a picture of uh, Judah's captivity. And 
And so also the sending to the six kings of the nearby nations who are also going to come underneath Babylon's power. So all of these nations that are listed here, these are all going to come underneath the authority of the Babylonians. And so the the princes that are named, the the messengers now of these kings uh, here, these ambassadors, we see that they are in Jerusalem. And so there is most likely a council that is going on that they are taking counsel. And possibly that is to form an alliance with one another to try and defend themselves against the Babylonians uh, and the incursion uh, against uh, them. And so verse 4 it says and command them to say to their masters thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel thus you shall say to your masters I have made the earth the man and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me and now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant, and the beasts of the field I have also given him to serve him. And so Jeremiah is to now take and to put this yoke upon his neck and he is to go to the king and to these masters uh, here and to speak on behalf of the Lord. And God says this, he says, I have made the earth. God spoke it into existence. This is his creation, amen? And how awesome and mighty that is. And he is the one that can do with it whatever it is that, uh, that he wants, whatever it is that he wills. We see here that the earth is supported in its being by God. And uh, we see that man now has been given over to the possession of, of the earth but God is the one that is the authority over it he says I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon and so the one selected by God to subdue the nations was Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon and it wasn't uh, owing to his wisdom or to his valor or to uh, any of the individual qualities of Nebuchadnezzar. He was chosen as an instrument by God. And so when God is for us, who can stand against us? And when God now was allowing Nebuchadnezzar to just go through and to take these nations into captivity, that was by the hand and the power of God, not by Nebuchadnezzar's uh, own power and Nebuchadnezzar's uh, own might. It was in the same way in which the nation of Israel became prideful when God gave them the victories, but they began to think that it was them, that, that they were, were meritous and that they were the ones that were getting these victories and and how important it is in our lives that we always give credit and glory to God amen to God be the glory for every good thing that has happened uh, in your life. And, you know, we can say, man, I really worked hard for this opportunity and I've been, you know, working for this and, and, and I deserve this and I've merited this. And, and we can begin to own our successes. 
But I want you to know that every single success that we have in our life goes to the glory of God. Amen. I mean, he's the one that gave you the skill in the first place. He's the one that gave you the mind to be able to function, the creativity to come up with the uh, idea, the character of perseverance to continue in it. He placed all of that inside of you. And, uh, and so all credit, all glory, all honor goes to God. Glory is the one thing that God won't share. Amen. And the minute that we start to glory in ourselves, then that's the minute that pride comes in and we start to become puffed up. And, and so we have to always be careful to stay humble, stay humble, give all glory and honor to God. And, and so Nebuchadnezzar is going to be used by God, but what's going to happen is that pride is going to lift up his heart. He's going to be there in Babylon saying, look at this great city that I have built. And God's going to deal with that pride uh, uh, in, uh, in Nebuchadnezzar and, and he's going to go mad. He's going to go insane for a period of seven years and, and then his sanity is going to be restored and then he gives glory and honor to God. And, and so we see here that Nebuchadnezzar, a godless uh, man, but he's going to be used uh, as an instrument uh, uh, of uh, God. And so the, he's going to give the nation of Israel into the hands. He says, it's my nation. This is, in fact, the entire earth is mine. And so here, Jeremiah establishing these things uh, here. In Psalm 115, verse 16, it says, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. And so he is giving the earth over to Nebuchadnezzar now. And uh, we see that Jeremiah is the one that is announcing that. He calls him my servant. And so here we see that he is his servant in the sense that he is going to accomplish God's purposes. Uh, and so in that capacity, he is serving God. He says in verse 7, so all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the time of his land comes. And then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. And so he says that Nebuchadnezzar is going to use him as his instrument. He says until that time has been completed. He says that time is going to come after his son and then his son's son. And so his son and then his grandson. Now, You'll remember that evil Murdoch uh, is now the, the son that succeeds uh, Nebuchadnezzar and that his son or Nebuchadnezzar's grandson is Belshazzar. Remember Belshazzar? Remember the writing right, the writing on the wall, the many, many tekel you farsum, you have been found uh, and judged uh, in the scales and you have been found wanting. And that was when he brings the, the temple instruments uh, out and uh, Cyrus the Persian has come in against uh, Babylon and he has his armies uh, surrounding the, the great city but the city's walls are, are impregnable. They, they are, this is just an unbelievable fortress. The thickness of the tops of the walls were famous. They used to have chariot races on the tops of the walls. That's how thick and wide the tops uh, of the walls uh, 
were. But what Cyrus does is that there is an underground water flow. There's a river that goes next to it, and he diverts the river and lowers the water, and the soldiers come in underneath the water gate to, into the city while they are having this feast, a, a feast uh, in which he has taken the holy instruments of God. He has taken them out and they are using them now in celebration of, uh, of how safe and strong the city of Babylon is, but Babylon falls that very night. And, and so here we see that Jeremiah, before they've ever even been taken into captivity, before the 70 years, tells them that, uh, that the son and the son's son, this is the period of time now that God has allotted for the children of Israel to be in captivity. You remember that he's sticking them in Babylon for the 70 years because that's uh, the period of time that the land uh, now has to lay fallow. Once those 70 years are up, we see that they are going to be allowed to return. Cyrus, the one who topples uh, the, the, uh, the grandson uh, of Nebuchadnezzar, who is Belshazzar, Cyrus is the one that is now going to allow them to go back and to rebuild and uh, and so but here is Jeremiah telling him all of these things 70 years uh, before they're ever even going to come to pass and and so verse 8 and it shall be that the nation and kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord, with the sword, the famine, and the pestilence until I have consumed them by his hand. And so we see that Jeremiah is telling these other nations, do not conspire together. Do not raise up an army against uh, the Babylonians. Uh, submit yourself to the yoke of the Babylonians. God is the one that is raising them up. And God is warning them that if they try and fight against his will, that he is going to send pestilence and famine and destruction and sword uh, against them. And so here we see that Jeremiah is warning the nations uh, to submit to, and to yoke themselves to come underneath, to peacefully come underneath the yoke of the Babylonians because this is God's uh, will and uh, that they are wise to do this. And if not, uh, then they are going to be punished by God. In verse 9, therefore, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers who speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from your land, and I will drive you out, and you will perish. And so we're going to find three times that Jeremiah in this chapter is going to say, don't listen to the false prophets. 
don't listen to the false prophets. And, and I want you to know that that's a good word for each and every one of us, not to listen to false prophets. There's, there's an awful lot of, uh, of, of prophecy being talked about in today and end times. And there's a lot of different teachers that are teaching a lot of different things out there. And, and I just want to encourage you to remember to, to test everything against the scripture, test all things against the, the word of God and uh, and so we see here that false prophets there's not a shortage of them there have been false prophets since the very beginning and here we see that the Lord is having Jeremiah to address and to speak against these false prophets here the false prophets were telling them that Babylon will not be successful against us that that if we join together in an alliance and fight against them the victory will be ours there's false prophets that are saying that the Babylonians will never enter into Jerusalem and and all of these things and, and that's what the people wanted to hear amen they wanted to hear that God was going to protect them and that they had nothing to worry about against their enemies they did have the temple they did have the presence of God but they had no relationship with God and so here they were now resting on or trusting in a relationship that they did not have and so we see that there was going to be the consequence of that disobedience uh, here. And, and Jeremiah is the one that is having to declare these things to them. He says, they prophesy a lie. They were saying peace, peace, when there was not going to be any peace. They were telling the people, don't go into captivity. Don't, don't surrender to the Babylonians. He says in verse 11, but the nations that bring their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell in it. And so those nations that would submit to the authority of the Babylonians when the Babylonian army came in and they would then negotiate in peace, they would have to pay tribute and taxes uh, each and every year. But God said, but I will let you stay in your land you will still be tilling your own land. You'll still be living in your own houses and, and I will allow. But if you fight against the Babylonians, they're going to destroy you. They're going to wipe you out. You're not going to be in your land. They'll take you into captivity. So when they come, know this, they're coming on my behalf. God's telling them. And so surrender to them, submit. They will let you stay in the land. You can stay in your houses and you can still enjoy your nation. And so, but what were the false prophets saying? False prophets were saying, don't surrender to them. God won't let that. They will back down. They will go away. And, uh, and we won't have any problems from the Babylonians. And so the, the leaders of the nation were being told lies. They were being told lies as truth. They were being told, thus saith the Lord. And then lies uh, coming forth and jeremiah is having to rebuke now these lies the problem is that lies were sweet the lies were saying the very things that the people wanted mm, to believe and and that is something that we always need to be careful of 
to make sure that we test the truth of things, even when they're what we want to, to believe, that we don't just believe what we want, but that we're willing to examine truth, always be willing to examine the hard truths uh, in our lives. And so here we see that Jeremiah is declaring these hard uh, truths. And in verse 12, Jeremiah says, I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? We see that Jeremiah says that I haven't failed to speak this to, to the king, to Zedekiah. Zedekiah, why would you have your people to perish? Because you lead them astray. This is an important decision that you are making. It is the lives uh, of the people of the nation that are in your hands right now. And we see that Jeremiah is declaring that he had this conversation with the king, with Zedekiah. And, and so we see here if he refuses to serve babylon then the judgment that god uh, had threatened would come on judah therefore do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you saying that you shall not serve the king of babylon for they prophesy a lie to you for i have not sent them says the lord yet they prophesy a lie in my name that I may drive you out and that you may perish, you and the prophets uh, who prophesy unto you. And so we see here the second part uh, of this prophecy or this warning was to not trust the false prophets. Those who were predicting now the victory were prophesying lies because God here is saying that, that he had not sent them. In verse 16, he says, uh, Now, also I spoke to the priests and to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, Do not listen to the words uh, of your prophets uh, who prophesy to you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. And so, here we see that he goes and talks to the king. He says that uh, he has uh, spoken to Zedekiah, king of Judah. And then in verse 16, he says, and also I spoke to the priests. And so he goes uh, from the court where Zedekiah was, he goes to the temple. And he speaks now to the priests that are ministering there and to all the people that were assembled for worship. And, and so he is speaking now, behold the vessels of the Lord's house. They're going to be shortly brought back from Babylon. Now, you'll remember that in the first wave of captivity, we see that Daniel was taken, Shadrach, Meshach, and they took the young princes, and they took some of the implements from the Lord's house. But they left the others there in the temple. Now, these false prophets... We're saying that these vessels that had been taken to 
captivity were taken to Babylon. These vessels are all going to be returned to us shortly. And, uh, and so these false prophets now were giving them a uh, hope uh, that the king of Babylon, either willingly or of his own accord, is going to be pressed or he's going to be forced into returning them and sending them back. In Daniel chapter 1, it talks about in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Judah, how Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. These ultimately now are going to be some of the, uh, the, the treasures that, that his son, his grandson now, uh, ends up Belshazzar brings out uh, for that feast. Uh, in verse 17, it says, Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. So now he's speaking to the priests. He's, he, he has spoken to the king and given them these words. He has sent the messengers to the surrounding nations now. And he is uh, speaking to the religious leaders and to the priests. And he says, do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Don't listen to the false prophets. Why should this city be laid waste? But if they are prophets and if the word of the Lord is with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord and the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem do not go to Babylon. We see that... <clears throat> Jeremiah now challenges these false prophets to prove the validity of their message by just interceding that the vessels that still remained there are not taken away into Babylon itself. The false prophets were saying these are going to be coming back, all the ones that are already gone. And Jeremiah tells them, well, I, I want you to prophesy that the vessels that are still here that these don't depart. And, and in 2 Kings, we see that when they do rebel against Babylon and Babylon does come in and destroy it, and lay waste to it, that they take all the rest uh, of the implements uh, from the temple and they bring them all to Babylon. In 2 Kings chapter 24, it says, and he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord as the Lord had said. And also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and the smiths and none remained except the poorest people uh, of the land. And, uh, and so Jeremiah is challenging these false prophets now to, to go ahead and prophesy that, that these uh, implements that are still here, that they remain. Verse 19, For thus says the Lord of hosts, 
concerning the pillars. Now, the pillars were the pillars of brass uh, that stood. One was called Boaz and the other was called Jacob. These two tremendous brass pillars that were uh, in the courtyard there. He says concerning the sea, that's the the bronze sea, the huge bronze labor that was there in the court of the priests. Uh, And it says, and concerning the remainder of the, oh, concerning the carts and the carts are the ten bases uh, that were also made of brass uh, there and, uh, and and concerning the remainder of the vessels that remain in this city verse 20 which Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon did not take when he carried away captive Jokaniah the son of Jehoiakim king of Judah from Jerusalem to Babylon and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem and and so Here he says all of the vessels that are still there, those that are in the king's palace, those are in the houses of the wealthy and the noblemen, he hadn't taken those in the earlier captivities. And here we see that these are all going to be taken. Verse 21, yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord, And in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem, they shall be carried to Babylon. And there they shall be until the day that I visit them, says the Lord. And then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. And so the false prophets are declaring that shortly all the vessels that have been taken are going to be returned. They're coming back. God is on the throne and he is for us. And, and Jeremiah is declaring the exact uh, opposite, that the furnishings that still remain in the house of the Lord, along with those that are in the king's uh, palace that had not been removed during the earlier deportation of Jehoiachin, they are going to ultimately remain in Babylon until God's judgment uh, was complete. And only then are they going to be brought back. We see that that takes place when Cyrus and overthrows uh, Babylon and and at that time we see that uh, that they are then returned uh, Ezra tells us about the the returning now of the uh, of the implements uh, in the temple as we come to this 28th chapter we are once again going to be dealing with the false prophecies and the false prophet we're going to be dealing with an in particular false prophet who's called Hananiah and we are going to see now how Jeremiah speaks a prophecy against Hananiah and what transpires in this chapter we begin in this first verse and it says it happened in the same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah king of Judah in the fourth year and in the fifth month that Hananiah the son of Azar the prophet who was from Gibeon spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests 
and of all of the people saying. So Jeremiah here is very specific now on this uh, incident. He gives us the exact uh, uh, month. It's the fifth month. It's the fourth year of the reign of uh, Zedekiah. And so uh, this would put it uh, into the, the early fall of 593 BC. Uh, and Jeremiah is careful in noting the date because he is going to give a prophecy against Hananiah and so he is recording the exact date that the incident transpires there in the temple between Hananiah and Jeremiah. And so this takes place in the temple here the year is 593 BC and it is early fall. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts the God of Israel saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. So this is the false prophet Hananiah who is now speaking. He is saying that God is declaring that he has broken the backbone of Babylon, that the yoke of Babylon is now being smashed. Uh, in verse 3, within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. So uh, here he is now in the presence of the priests and of Jeremiah speaking this prophecy about all of the temple vessels that had been taken by Nebuchadnezzar. He says that within a period of two years, that all of these uh, implements are going to be uh, brought back. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. How exciting would that prophecy have been to the people in Israel? All your relatives are coming back. All of your family members that got taken, they're all coming back. Within two years, they're all coming back. And everything that was taken, guess what? It's all going to be returned inside of two years. Thus says the Lord. And, uh, and so we see that this would have just been fantastic news. Everybody would have wanted to believe that and to embrace that and to hold on to that. Think of the pain and suffering when the families were taken away and the deportation and, and all that was going on. And now the captives are coming home. Thus says the Lord. And, and so here is this false prophet declaring this glorious message now that God has acted on behalf of the nation of Israel. He has broken the back of Babylon and everybody is coming home home and everything is going to be returned and and so we see that Hananiah's message is directly contradicting what Jeremiah has been speaking and declaring Jeremiah is saying surrender to the yoke of the Babylonians that the Babylonians are the instrument of of God and if you come against this then God isn't going to decimate with pestilence and famine and sword and he is going to come against you. And so here's Hananiah 
in the temple with the priests uh, declaring the very things that that now are in opposition to what Jeremiah he is urging Judah and the nations to rebel against uh, Babylon not to submit to her and he promises that this rebellion is going to be followed up by a restoration of uh, everything and so gives them the timetable within two years he he said god promised to bring back to judah all the the articles of the lord's uh, house and and it just got me to remembering you know back in the late 80s how there was so much fanfare uh, for those of you that were alive way back in then the, the, there was all of this fair about the Lord's return and and there was a, a book 88 reasons why the Lord is returning in 1988 and and it, it was so exciting everybody is I mean the Lord is coming he's got to be coming he's given all the reasons and how God has showed him that that the Lord's returning in 88 and and man that's exciting I mean people got excited about that except there's only one problem Jesus said that no man knows what the day or the time when he is returning but man he laid out the book and everybody got excited and saying that this is you know the Lord we've had an awful lot an awful lot of, of Christians that were making videos of the visions that they were having about the, the presidential race and who's going to win and what's going to happen and what God showed them. And, and all of these people are saying, you know, God's telling them this and they're sharing these things. And, and now through social media and videos and YouTube and everything that's being posted, the, there is so much God is telling me and and these types of things that are being shared and I just want to encourage you to be careful be careful be careful be careful <laughs> test everything against the the word of God we are not short on uh, on people saying God is showing me this and God is telling me this and uh, and then taking and putting that out. Here we see that the very same thing was happening now with Jeremiah. God is telling Jeremiah to lead the nation into safety. Submit to the Babylonians. This is a judgment from God. But here was this false prophet just tickling their ears, telling them just exactly what they wanted to hear, getting everybody excited and, and leading them in the exact wrong direction. Remember that the Satan, one of his titles is the angel of what? Angel of light. He pretends to be good. He in, pretends uh, enlightenment. He pretends to be leading in the right direction. And, and one of the things that Satan does is, is Satan takes evil and makes it look good. And then he takes good and makes it look evil. He reverses things and, and confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. Do you notice how confused our nation is? Do you notice how there's confusion in our culture, confusion about truth? 
truth, confusion about just the basics in life. And, and we see that, that Satan is, is heavy at work in our generation. And, and so here we see that Jeremiah is having to battle this false prophet who is standing up and telling him that God is the one that is declaring these things. And the two prophets now are, are making these conflicting claims here. And, and so then the prophet, uh, it says, Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. And, and so Jeremiah is saying, Man, wouldn't that be awesome if the words that you're speaking we're true. Amen. Wouldn't I love that? I, I, I would love if the words that you're speaking were true. But time is going to be the one that's going to tell whether Jeremiah or Hananiah was the false prophet. A prophet is going to be known to be sent by God only if his predictions come true. And so here we see that, that rather than speaking repentance, Rather than convicting people of their sin, we see that the false prophet makes them comfortable in, in their sin. God's on the throne. He's going to defend you. You've got nothing to, to worry about. But, but the issue was their heart towards God. And so we see these false prophets are making them comfortable in their sin. Woe to anybody that makes somebody comfortable in their sin. God never wants you to be comfortable in your sin. Amen? He wants you uncomfortable in your sin. That discomfort is what brings about contrition and repentance. And, and anybody that is enabling or equipping or helping you to, to, to sin or to stay in a sin or to tell you to do whatever you want. Nobody's perfect. Everybody, whoever, whatever voice uh, is speaking that is, is not the voice of God. It's not the voice of God. And so... Here we see that Hananiah is, is telling them they've got nothing to, to worry about and, and that God is going to restore them in very short order. And Jeremiah says, I wish, I wish that your words were true. Jeremiah doesn't want to see Jerusalem destroyed. Jeremiah doesn't want to see destruction come upon his people. He doesn't want to see the sword and pestilence and, and famine upon the land. I wish, Hananiah, I wish your words were true. I wish all the captives were coming home inside of two years. I wish that all, everything that had been taken from the temple would be returned. I wish that we could have true worship once again here in our nation. I wish that we would get it right and that we would be God-honoring and that God would once again inhabit the praises of his people. Hananiah, I, I, wish, I wish you were right and I'm wrong. Have you ever wished that you were wrong? I wish that I'm wrong 
every time I see somebody telling me that this is God's will for their life and I know that they're in direct opposition to the word of God. When they say this is the right direction and I know for a fact according to the authority of the word of God that they're heading in the wrong direction. And I also know that time will show them that I don't need to argue. I'm not trying to prove that I'm right. Whenever I'm standing on the authority of the word of God, I know that I'm right. Amen? I know that I'm right when I'm standing on the authority of the word of God. And invariably, years later, they will circle back to me and, and they will say, I can't believe I didn't listen to you. It ended in an absolute disaster. You were right. And the truth is, I wish that I had been wrong. I wish that they were headed in a good direction. I, I wish that we were all headed towards the blessings that God has for us, that, that we would experience the goodness, the fullness, and the grace of God in, in our lives. But when we're heading away from the will of God and believe that we're heading into the, the will of God, it will end badly in that person's life. In that person's life. And here we see that Jeremiah is sorrowful over what he knows is coming, the judgment that he knows that's coming, the, the words that the false prophet's speaking. He wishes that they were true. In verse 7, Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. And so here we see that Jeremiah speaks about the past prophets that have come before him. And, and he says that when they prophesy peace and peace comes, then you know that they were a prophet of God. When the word of God comes true, when a person says, thus saith the Lord, and then those things uh, transpire. Hananiah here, verse 10, it says, then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off of the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And, and the prophet Jeremiah went his way. God told him to wear the yoke. And here he is wearing the yoke and, and Hananiah comes over to him and takes the yoke off him and breaks it and says, thus saith the Lord that God's going to break this yoke and, and he is going to set us free. And, and we see that Jeremiah just walks away. Rather than opposing the open insult of Hananiah, he just departs. The Lord rebuke you. He puts it into the hands of the Lord. And so he departs. But God is going to send Jeremiah back to Hananiah here in verse 12. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from the neck of the prophet Jeremiah. He had been humiliated by Hananiah. And God is going to stand up now for Jeremiah. 
and not allow his servant to be mistreated in this fashion. He says in verse 13, go and tell Hananiah, (laughs) saying, thus says the Lord, you have broken the yokes of wood, but you have made in their place yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. I have given him the beasts of the field also. He says, you go back to Hananiah and he says, you may break a a yoke made out of wood, but I am placing a yoke of iron on these nations and this is my will and my will will come to pass. And then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. He calls them out and tells them, God isn't telling you these things. You're just saying these things, and they're lies, and you're feeding the nation lies. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth and this year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. And so (laughs) Jeremiah departs when Hananiah takes the yoke off of him and smashes it and breaks it and and the Lord tells him, no, I've got a message for Hananiah. You, You go and confront Hananiah. And he tells Hananiah, you're a false prophet. And not only are you a false prophet, but you are going to be judged by God. And this very year, the Lord is going to take your life from you. What a scary prophecy that had to have been uh, now to be confronted by you. Start looking around, you know, I mean, uh, and, and suddenly here this is the, the, the declaration now of uh, God. And, and so... How did that transpire? Well, this is the reason. Remember back in the first verse of the first of this chapter, how specific Jeremiah was as to exactly when this altercation took place with Hananiah. This is the reason why, because Jeremiah ends up circling back to Hananiah and telling him that within the year, the Lord is going to take your life in in judgment for you being a false prophet. And so, verse 17, so Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month, less than two months uh, after Jeremiah's prediction. uh, Here we see that Hananiah dies. And so, God vindicated his true prophet, uh, Jeremiah, and he judged the the false prophet, uh, Hananiah. Voices, 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 so many voices, so many opinions, so many authorities, so many specialists, uh, everybody being called to, to give their opinions. And, and we have so many, the, the internet and social media has, has just opened the door to just a flood of opinions. And how do we navigate in this absolute flood of opinions? And we see that we navigate the way that we have always navigated. By the word of God, by the word of God, by the word of God. Thy word is a light unto my path. It's a lamp 
unto my feet. Know the word of God. That we can test everything against uh, the word of God. To know whether or not the things that are being said today are true or they're not true. We see our nation talks about being progressive, 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 that, that, that we are shattering and, and letting go of all of the things that have held us back as, uh, as a human race. And, and there is a freedom, the, the boundaries are being smashed in, in every single area. And, and the question that I would just have us to ask, are, are those uh, limitations uh, or are those protections that God has put into place that we would build healthy, strong families, marriages, and society that God is the one that created and ordered and established uh, these things. We are not progressing when we are moving away from truth. Amen? We are regressing, and you can call it anything that you want. You can use whatever word you want. But when you're heading away from the truth of God's uh, word, we are heading in the wrong direction. It doesn't matter how many letters and, and degrees and, and worldly accolades that, that a person may have. Trust and test everything against the word of God. The battle over truth is no different today than it was right here. He, here are the false prophets telling the, the most powerful people, the king and the priests and all, that they are telling them that this is what they have to do and this is the right thing. And here is the exact opposite voice saying the exact opposite thing over here. One is a false prophet and the other is a true prophet. The false prophets and the voice of the false prophets, they exist today, maybe more clamorous and more aggressive and assertive than, than I have ever experienced. My mom always used to tell me something. She says that the person that's yelling the loudest is normally the person that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's in the Bible or not, but. <laughs> Test everything against the scripture. That I do know is in the Bible. And that is how I know that we can navigate safely and successfully and prosperously in our own lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Without it, God, how would we navigate? We would just be... <laughs> blind men stumbling around in darkness. <coughs> God, you didn't have us to wonder. You have illuminated the truth. And Jesus, you are the light of the world. Thank you for coming and illuminating this world. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for that eternal life. Thank you for setting the path and inviting us to follow. Thank you for redeeming us, washing us, cleansing us, empowering us. Jesus, thank you for loving us. You are the good shepherd, left the 99 and found each and every one of us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Bless us now and help us, Lord, to navigate through the, the, the times that we are living in. And Lord, help us to discern the difference between truth and lies. To know the true prophets from the false prophets, God. 
and help us to establish our lives on the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.